This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. Harvest. Um, we're, we, we're a family of Christ followers, and we recognize the Lord has brought us together. We're stronger together than we are individually. And so we've chosen to link arms to fill God's purpose in the earth together. Uh, guys, as you probably know, uh, we meet in the, our community in, in small groups throughout the week, but, but we still love Sundays when our small groups come together and worship the Lord corporately. Uh, as I always say, we're a small expression of the body of Christ, and we love the Lord, and we want to be just like him. And so we choose to love people and to serve the world as a hands and feet of Jesus. If you're part of the Harvest family, what's our vision? Make, grow, and equip followers of Jesus to fulfill their God-given purpose in life. And we do that through everything we do, everything we do. So guys, last week we started a new series called Heaven on Earth. Everybody say, Heaven on Earth. Heaven on Earth. Heaven on Earth. There it is. Heaven on Earth. And uh, I, gave you, um, I gave you four points. Now, listen, I, last week was kind of the foundation. And so if you didn't hear last week's message, please go back and uh, jump on the website or, or, or the podcast or however you listen to the messages and, and hear that as we talked about, um, we talked about the kingdom of God. We, or uh, usually it can be used interchangeably also the kingdom of heaven. We talked about this. I gave you four things. I told you, firstly, that the kingdom of God is here. When people say the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, they're not talking about a location, Jesus talked about it a lot. He wasn't talking about a physical location. And we know that John 3.16 promises everlasting life. But that was my second point was that everlasting life doesn't start when you get to heaven. Everlasting life starts the moment you surrender and you say yes to Jesus. That's when the true life begins. And and we know that we're brought into the kingdom. And in 2 Corinthians 5, Paul says, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us, that, that we are ambassadors into the earth of the kingdom of God sent to humanity to restore diplomatic relations between our king and humanity. Amen? That's why we're here. It's the only reason we're here. The third thing I told you was the kingdom of God refers to our citizenship. It refers to our citizenship when Christ uh, lives, rules, and reigns in our hearts. Our citizenship, being of heaven, uh, today is why we can exercise our faith, and we can today can receive God's favor and his peace and his joy and his health and his healing and his protection, his provision. They're ours today because our citizenship changed, right? Right? You know, something I just thought of, we're talking about ambassadors. One of our ambassadors to the U.S., from the U.S., to another country. He's been in another country for 10, 15 years serving as ambassador. He still has every right of an American, right? He may not have nearly the rights in the country he's living in, but he still, regardless, he has every right of an American citizen. Guys, it's the same of us. Same of us. And the last thing I told you um, was that his kingdom comes through us. We are carriers of the kingdom of God. We have every right to experience all the benefits of heaven on earth today and to extend that to others around us. Uh, we can not only experience heaven on earth, we can release it. So every time, every time that we act more like citizens of heaven than we, that, rather than acting like those we see around us in the world, we're bringing a little more of heaven to earth. We're establishing more of the kingdom on earth. Every time we share the love of Jesus, every time we share the gospel, make disciples, we're expanding the kingdom of God in the earth. We're bringing heaven to earth. So how do you bring heaven to earth? This is what we, I was kind of getting to at the end of last week. And I, I gave you, I, I made a statement that Shauna said, why didn't you put that in the notes? That was good. I was trying to write it down. How do we bring heaven to earth? And I, I told you the very first thing, you've got to start at this place where before, in, in your identity, before you recognize yourself as whatever you recognize yourself, before you recognize yourself as a mom or a dad or a husband or a wife or a student or an employee or whatever it is, you've got to establish at the very root who you are. You've got to establish where your allegiance lies and you've got to establish why you're here. As a Christ follower, who you are, where your allegiance lies, and why you're here. And that will determine how everything else plays out in your life. That'll determine how you parent. That will determine how you interact in your marriage. That'll, that'll determine how you work as an employee. That'll determine how you study and how, what you do as a student. It'll determine every other part of your life when you know who you are, where your allegiance lies, and why you're here. Amen? So, moving on. 
So um, I'm going to, I think these next few messages are, guys, they're just coming to me week by week. Sometimes I'm planned out well in advance, uh, week by week. And and I I just, I I think we're going to get real practical and talk about what it looks like to bring heaven to earth in various parts of our life. I love getting real practical and and giving take home things, the things we can take home and we can put into practice. But I want to talk a little further about the kingdom of God as well and and such. So, so, um, So moving on, we're carriers of the kingdom. We bring the kingdom to earth through our allegiance and our obedience to God. Now, what is the evidence of our allegiance and our obedience? The Bible calls that our fruit. Everybody say fruit. Our fruit is proof. It's evidence of where our allegiance lies, right? And of who we're obedient to. So in John 15, 15, you guys know this. Jesus is speaking. He says, you did not choose me. He said, I chose you, right? And I appointed you. Okay, what did you appoint me to do? That you should go and bear fruit. And that your fruit should abide. That fruit shouldn't just come every once in a while. It shouldn't just be good fruit coming every once in a while. That fruit should keep on coming. It should abide. Fruit, we know, is what comes out of our everyday life in this natural world, right? Fruit, it's everything from our attitudes to our responses to situations and people. It's how we handle circumstances. It's, I would say, what we put our faith in. It's every action we take, every word we speak. I would even argue our thoughts are a fruit of what's really in our heart. And all of this, all of these are fruit that determine what's really inside of us. Amen? Now, as I said, fruit can be good or fruit can be bad. True? Now, again, whether it's one or the other is evidence of what's inside of us. Now, we can try to not deal with something in our heart and we can try to hide it, but eventually what's really in there is going to come out and there's going to be fruit of it. Isn't that true? Haven't you seen it in your life before? That's why no matter how hard you try to fake it, no matter how hard you try to put on a facade and pretend to be something that you're not, eventually you slip up and it comes out. Isn't that true? That's why, that's why you may be one of these people that you curse like a sailor all week long and you walk into church on Sunday morning and you try to keep your mouth straight and, and you do a pretty good job this week and it took all kinds of effort. And, and then you get involved in a community group and you're kicked back in somebody's house and y'all are worshiping the Lord together and all of a sudden something just slips out, right? Well, I'm this week. You know, it's like, what? What did we just say? Came out because it was in your heart, Right? On the flip side, the more and more we allow ourselves to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, by the word of God, the more it's obvious because there will be different fruit coming out of us, right? You know, what I'm, this isn't a real popular thought, but what I'm about to say, how many of you know that non-believers, Christians and non-believers, love to say today, well, the Bible says judge not. Judge not. I'm, I hear unbelievers saying it all the time. People don't have any idea what they're talking about. They never read anything in context before, right? Judge not. Guys, this is actually referring to Christ followers judging unbelievers. And we're talking about basically judging them for not living a life according to the word of God. Well, that's just stupid. If we have, we have the expectation of somebody who's not a Christ follower to live by the word of God, why would we ever expect that? And so why would we condemn them? We're not the judge anyway. That's judging, right? But when it comes to believers, it's a little bit different, isn't it? Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, he said, you will know them by their fruits. Jesus is talking about believers. You will know that they're my followers. You'll know that they're believers by the fruit of their life. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes nor figs from thistles. So every good tree bears good fruit and every bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that does not produce good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So then, final point Jesus is making here, you will know them by their fruits. 
I mean, even the disciples ended up coming to Jesus at one point and they said, okay, so you're sending us out. So along the way, as we encounter other people that claim to be your followers, how do we know if they're genuine? He said, you'll know. He said, you'll know. You'll know them by their fruit. You guys have encountered people like that before. You've been out and maybe you didn't even get to talk to somebody, but you saw somebody and you saw the way they interacted with others and you walked away thinking, they gotta be a Christian. They gotta be a Christ follower. You've seen it before. And then you've seen other people too. That love to talk about Jesus, and you see lots of bad fruit coming out their life. You're going, hmm, interesting, right? Now, when we examine the fruit of somebody's life and we come to a conclusion in our mind, what have we just made? We've just made a judgment. Now, that meaning has been a little distorted. It doesn't mean we're condemning, we are not the judge, right? It means we're coming to a conclusion, right? Based on the observations that we've made. We have to do so humbly, right? Because none of us are perfect, amen? We're all in process. However, as a Christ follower, I would argue that from the moment you gave your life to Jesus, if your life didn't change at all, and there hasn't been good fruit coming forth, I would say something's wrong. And I would implore you to get your life right because you should start producing more and more good fruit from your life. Fruit is very important, so much so that Jesus repetitively told us, he told his followers that he, he said, I want you to bear much fruit. And he said over and over again, I want you to bear good fruit. So like I said a second ago, how many of you like me, you're still wearing human flesh? You're still struggling with the flesh sometimes. You're still living in a fallen world. That's us, right? So it doesn't mean, I mean, I mean, there's still, the war may be won, but there's still a battle raging for the human soul. Amen? And so, so that means that sometimes, no matter how good a Christ follower you are, you're going to drop some ugly, nasty, smelly fruit off your tree of life, right? Any of you been there before? You end up saying something, you, I shouldn't have said that. You're like, oh, you end up getting a bad, rotten attitude. You end up responding in a way that was not very Christ-like. We've all done it, right? How many of you know? That's not the end of the world. There's grace and we've been redeemed. So what do we do? We repent. We make things right. And we move on. But I will say this. If you see bad fruit coming from your life, that should be a little bit of a wake-up call. We should take notice when that happens. I mean, we want to be good ambassadors and good representatives of Jesus and his kingdom. We want to live a life that pleases the Father. So when we see bad fruit that comes forth from our life, we need to examine ourselves. And we may need to make some course correction. We may need to change what we're feeding our tree of life a little bit. We may need to change the way we respond and the way we look at things. I would also say this. If a fellow believer that somebody you love and trust that has the right to come and speak into your life. If they come to you and they give you a word of correction and you get automatically defensive, that's bad fruit, right? It's bad fruit. We need to stop with the guidance of the Holy Spirit when somebody comes to us and brings a word of correction by the, by the guidance of the Holy Spirit. We should look at our heart through the lens of God's word and make changes that are necessary in our life because we want to be a people that bears good fruit, And here's the thing, the fruit of our life is truly our witness to the world. That is our witness, is what comes forth from us. I've known people who were gatherers, I mean, people just drawn to them, and they knew a lot of word and had a lot of revelation, and they may have been leading people to pray the sinner's prayer every single day, but there was terrible fruit coming forth from all these different areas of their life. And let me tell you guys, that can be very destructive. It can give the Lord a bad name. And it can actually drive people away from the kingdom. It does not bring king, the heaven to earth. That's why, that's why the Bible talks about the fruit of the Spirit. That's the very first thing. You've got to make sure you walk in the fruit of the Spirit is coming forth in your life. Love, joy, peace, patience, all these things, right? It's one of the reasons there's so many people out there in the world that are hurt by the church and say that church is full of hypocrites because they hear us saying one thing but see us doing another. That's not bringing heaven to earth. Amen? It's quiet in here, guys. 
The fruit of our life brings heaven to earth. Your kingdom come, your will be done in my life, in my family, in my church, in my school, in my community, just as it is in heaven. That's what we're seeking after. We bring the kingdom to earth through our humble submission and our obedience to the word of God. So, like I said, I want to spend the rest of the time, I want to talk about some practical things and what this looks like, uh, starting with today in our personal life. What does it look like in a personal life? And when I say our personal life, I'm referring to your life as an individual, but I'm also talking to your life uh, with your immediate family and yeah, you're with your friendships and things like that. So do, what does good fruit look like in my personal life? And how do I bring the kingdom of God into the earth through my personal life and through my family? Y'all ready? I'm gonna give you three things right quick. Three parts we're gonna talk about. First one, I wanna talk about me and my life as an individual. Me and my, anybody here in an individual? You may have all different kinds of titles, but you are still an individual, right? So how do I bear good fruit? How do I bring the kingdom of God to earth in my individual life? And guys, there's so much to say here. I've, just, I've decided I'm, I'm, I'm cramming here. I'm probably going, we'll, we'll probably talk about this through the rest of the year, really. But, but briefly, I, I just want to start. The very first thing goes back to what I talked about a few minutes ago. We're talking about your individual life. You must have settled who you are in Christ, where your allegiance lies, and why you are here. I, I just, we've got to pound that over and over again. Who you are, who am I? I'm a blood-bought, redeemed son, daughter of the most high God, right? Where does my allegiance lies? I serve a king, a messiah, a savior. I will serve him to my dying breath and beyond. And why am I here? I'm following my assignment. I'm here as an ambassador of my father, restoring relationship between him and humanity. Everything else falls after that. Making this the foundation of your identity will be the primary influence over everything else that you do in this life as a Christ follower. And, and, and guys, I can make it really simple. It all boils, boils down to basically this. It's surrendering our fleshly, carnal, human thoughts and desires and following him and his word no matter what the cost. No matter the cost. Regardless of whether we think we are well enough equipped. Regardless of whether we can see the future well. Whether we think we can figure out logically what God's asking us to do. We follow him all the way, and we always say, yes, Lord, no matter what the cost. Knowing who you are, where your allegiance lies, and why you're here. Romans 12, 2, you guys know this. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And guys, here's a point I want to make here real quick. You must be constantly transforming the way you think by the renewing of your mind. Every single day, you've gotta be transforming the way you see things and the way you think based on who you are, where your allegiance lies, and why you're here. You have gotta be transforming by the renewing of your mind according to the word of God. You have gotta every day be transforming your mind because here's the deal. If you're like me, you were born into a fallen world. And I don't know about you, but my mind was programmed to think the way this world does. Right? It's time for a reprogramming. That's what he's saying here. It's time to reprogram. You have the wrong programming. You've entered a new kingdom. You gotta reprogram this thing. It's time to install new software. The renewing of our mind happens when we choose to live according to the word of God. We choose to live according to the kingdom. And how many of you know, this reprogramming, we'll be doing it the rest of our life. And that reminded me of a Windows status bar, right? Please wait. I guess I'm, I'll be 48 this year. Maybe I'm coming up around halfway there somewhere, you know. But I'm making progress. I'm moving forward. Amen? Sometimes we watch that little status bar and we're going, come on, come on, right? Sometimes that status bar gets stuck. Don't let your status bar get stuck. You, you hit that control, I'll delete. <laughs> you do what you got to do to get that status bar moving again. We keep moving, transforming our mind, reprogramming it. 
Every time a thought comes that violates the word of God, you take that thought captive and you replace it with what God's word says. Because those thoughts are thoughts of this world, a fallen world. Replace your thoughts with the, with the laws of the kingdom, with the facts of the kingdom, with what God has told us. People say, you know, believers that come to this place where, I, well, I'm just, I'm just not loved, or I'll always be broke, or I'll never be healed, or I'm just a worrywart, you know, it's just the way I'm wired, I'm always anxious, or, or you know, life's just not worth living. Stop it. Why are you sitting there saying the words of the enemy? You're not of this kingdom. What does God say? Certainly not those words. Every time we respond to a situation in in an ungodly way, we got to repent and we got to make changes and steps to move forward. You choose to surrender. You choose to look like Jesus. Every day, we should look more and more like Jesus and less and less like everybody else around us in the world. As you do so, you'll see the kingdom come. You should be set apart. Stand out everywhere you go. The only reason you are in the earth today is to be a witness of the Lord Jesus. It's, to be in a, it's the only reason we're here. I truly believe, y'all have heard me say it before, I truly believe that if we didn't have that purpose, that we would be pulled out of this fallen world the moment we said yes to Jesus. Why would he keep us here? Why would we want to be here when we can go into eternity with him? It's because he wants us to grab everybody else that we encounter and bring them with us. Guys, talking about fruit, if the people in your workplace, the people in your school, whatever it may be, don't know you're a believer, I would argue that you need to examine your life because something's still off. Something's wrong. Let's go a little deeper. Who are you when nobody's looking? How do you act? How do you respond? What are the thoughts that enter your mind? What's in your heart? Are you teachable? Are you growing? Are you a person of honor and character and integrity? And Jesus really hit the nail on the head when we went down to the thought level, didn't he? What's going on in your heart and your mind? What's happening when nobody's looking? If you're going to be who you're called to be and bring heaven to earth... You've got to renew your mind. That comes by the word. So that means you've got to get into the word of God. And you need to be a person of prayer, a person who's constantly in communication with the Father. We need to learn his ways. We need to hear his voice. And we need to follow it. We've got to become a student. We've got to become a disciple of Jesus. We need to become a person of faith over fear. How many of you know our world is driven by fear? I'd say the majority of decisions that people make today are driven by fear. We're not to be that way. We're to be driven by faith. I was reading a book um, this week. Uh, it's called Greater. It's by um, who? Lauren just said it. Oh, yeah, Stephen Furtick wrote it. That's right, Greater. And in it, he, he quotes um, Lisa Turkhurst. Y'all, some of y'all might have heard of Lisa Turkhurst before. But in it, she talks about the Lord speaking to her at one point in her life when she was trying to determine what she was supposed to do moving forward. And, and she, had a, she had this idea to make a new change and take a new direction in her life, go a new direction. And she's struggling with this thing. The Lord spoke to her, and she said, the Lord said to her, if you're a person of faith, then you need to live a life that requires faith. He said, you talk about faith, but you're a mastermind of maneuvering your life so that you don't have to use any faith at all. I was like, mm, man. I think, guys, there's areas of probably each of our lives where we're pretty good at that. Maneuvering our life so that we go the easy way in a way that doesn't require us to extend our faith at all. We got to become a people of faith. So many Christians get so worked up over finances or, or where am I supposed to go or what could or could not be. And guys, you, we got to be a people of faith and step out on the water. How many of you know God's not going to let you drown, right? God's not going to let you drown. I'll put it this way. If you can figure your life out, if you, you got a five or ten year plan and you're just knocking it out, this and this and this and this, and you're doing just fine on your own, you're probably not living a life of faith. You're probably not. When you do things God's way, it's going to stretch you and it's going to be scary to the human mind. (laughs) 
The human mind's gonna tremble for a second. That's why we gotta keep renewing it, right? It's gonna require you to step out on the water and to trust him. I asked permission to share a story today. Guys, I, I, love that, uh, I love that Lauren's with us. I love that we've got Michaela and, and Julia. And guys, these, these three young ladies I, all have bachelor's degrees in music, and they love to worship the Lord. And I'm thankful to have them and everybody else on our worship team. And, uh, and you know, guys, you know, like I told you last week, we brought Lauren on staff now, and, and that's what she feels called to do. She feels called to full-time ministry and worship, and I, I believe that we can see that calling. We can see that in her. Um, but let me say this. You know, Michaela, where did Michaela go? There she is. Michaela just got a promotion in her job. She got an awesome new job and things are going well for her. And then we've got Julia. Hey, Julia. Who also, like the other two, has a bachelor's degree in music and feels called of God to lead worship. And she wants to do it full time. And she is fully capable, guys. Amen. But over the last year, she has communicated to us on several occasions that every time she tries to make a move, she feels like the Lord tells her she's supposed to be planted right here at Harvest. We can't give her what she's looking for right now. We can't do it. And I will tell you this. She, in the last week, turned down two good jobs. One of them included a house that would have been paid for so that she could be here and serve as assistant worship leader for free. That's tough for the natural mind. That's tough for a parent. <laughs> That's tough for people on the outside who don't understand the kingdom to go, you're nuts. <laughs> right? Turned them down so that she could do what the Lord told her to do. I honor that. And God honors that. Become the person that God has called you to be in his kingdom. Work to live your life now on earth just like you would if you were in heaven. Expect the same things. Live that life today. And as you do so, you're going to see the kingdom of God manifesting more and more in your life. And it's going to affect every person you come in contact with. Second area I want to talk about real quick. So we talked about me and myself individually. Kingdom come in my life. Secondly, I want to talk about our family life. Me and my family. Everybody say my family. Who am I? Where does my allegiance lie? And what is my responsibility in my family? And guys, the answer is it's going to be the same. When we go to come down to practical things, the answer is the same every time. Fulfill your family responsibilities as spelled out in Scripture. And I hear people all the time say, well, marriage is so hard. Why did I ever get married in the first place? This isn't what I signed up for. He's just not meeting my needs. I've heard Christians actually refer to marriage as the old ball and chain. I'm going, that is not kingdom. <laughs> is that what you did? Is that what you married? You married a ball and chain? So be it. Marriage is one of the best things that ever happened in my entire life. And I pray that we're a godly example of it. What does a biblical marriage look like? Biblical marriage. And the Bible spells it out. It's a man and a woman who are better serving the Lord together than they ever could be individually. They can accomplish more together. You make this covenant for life with God at the center. The Bible calls, it the, he calls him the third strand in the cord, right? Third strand in the cord. He's the foundation. You become one. You agape, love and support one another unconditionally without demanding your own rights in your own way. You put God first. You put one another first after God, including your children. Mom and dad come first, right? You are one in covenant with Almighty God. Ephesians 5.32, I love this. I'm going to read it to you from the Passion Translation. It says, marriage is the beautiful design of the Almighty, a great and sacred mystery meant to be a vivid example of Christ and his church. Dude, examine your marriage. Is your marriage a vivid example of Christ and his church? No, we got some work to do. 
So every married man should be gracious to his wife, just as he is gracious to himself. And every wife should be tenderly devoted to her husband. Guys, if you're working to have a biblical marriage, if you've got your eyes fixed on Jesus, if you're running after him hard together, your marriage should be an example to every person you come in contact with. More importantly, your marriage should be an example to your children. It's huge. You should show affection for one another. You should show that you prefer one another. You should show that you're both contributing to the home and to the family. They should know that you're a united front and they won't be able to drive a wedge between you because you are one. You love them the way that God loves you. They should know that regardless of what they do, you're going to love them. That their love, your love for them is not based on works and what they do. It's the fact that they're your child. You're going to love them regardless. The greatest example you can ever give your children is the example of a Christ follower. They should always know that you are devoted to God above all else and that you will never waver. Now, guys, we've all struggled with that sometimes as parents, being that godly example all the time in front of our kids, and we slip up, and bad fruit comes forth sometimes, and, and we've got we to be willing to repent. I remember telling a parent, thank goodness I didn't hear, uh, <laughs> hadn't been here in a while. I remember telling a parent one time uh, that I, came to me and said, I messed up. I, I said this and this to my kid, and I, oh, I shouldn't have said that. And I said, go repent. This gentleman says, I'm not repenting to my boy. I was like, wow. Repent. Talk about a great example. Repent to your kids. Sit them down and get down on your knees in front of them and grab their hands and say, forgive me. My attitude was wrong. I responded in anger. I made a bad decision. It's the greatest example we can be to that. I, one of the greatest compliments I ever received was actually just recently, actually for Shauna and I both. Recently, our son told a group of people, that people were talking about their parents, and he told this group of people that um, one of his memories of, that he has of Shauna and I was when he finally started getting himself up to go to school in the morning and getting his own butt out of bed and getting, uh, he remembered walking through and seeing Shauna in the living room and walking by our room and seeing me in our room and we both had Bibles open in front of us. Greatest compliment ever. And now I hear my kids talking about what the Lord is speaking to them as they get into his word and they spend time with him. And that, my friends, is heaven on earth. That's heaven to earth. Yes, we did something right. <laughs> Guys, I've heard people in the church say, well, I'm just a parent. I just don't feel like I should um, require my kids to come to church to serve the Lord because God gives us a choice, and it needs to be their choice to serve. You know what's funny about that? I don't know anybody that's ever said that to me whose kids are serving the Lord. I can't, I, I don't know of a one. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let them choose who they'll, who, how they'll. Is that what the Bible says? <laughs> the Bible says we're commanded to raise our children in the ways of the Lord. And if we do that, when they're old, they won't depart from it. Doesn't mean, they're not, doesn't mean things aren't going to come along. Doesn't mean they're not going to waver for a time. Doesn't mean, doesn't mean we're not going to have to get on our knees at times in their lives and pray them back. But we're commanded to raise them in the ways of the Lord. I always tell parent, parents who ask me, I always tell them, if they're living in your house, whether they are, 14 or 49, especially if they're not paying rent, because that means you're still supporting and raising them. They, you know, you should let them know they're going to be expected to be in church every time doors are open. It's my personal opinion. Some of you are single and you want to be married. Stop trying so hard to find Mr. Right. You already found him and his name is Jesus. Fix your eyes on him and chase hard after him. And as you chase hard after him, I, I told you all this a few months ago, this picture I had. You're going to be running along, chasing after him. You're going to look beside, you're going to glance beside, and you're going to see somebody good looking running right beside you <laughs> with their eyes looking at Jesus. And keep your eyes on Jesus, but take a glance, you know, be like, <laughs> right? <laughs> Love you, Miss LaShundra. 
<laughs> oh, goodness. Keep your eyes on him. You want to be married? Listen, I love it when people, I've heard this said a number of times. You've probably heard it too. He will said, you want to be married? Follow God. Keep your eyes on Jesus and become the person that you want to marry would want to marry. Hopefully you're looking for, after, you're looking for somebody godly. Picture them. Picture exactly who they would be, the qualities that you're looking for. And then step back away from that for a second and go, who are they looking for? And become that person. <laughs> oh, I'm going to get off track. And it might tick somebody off. Let's do it. Um, <laughs> guys, listen. I, I'm getting older. I, I, sometimes I don't get the, the younger generation a whole lot. I, I see, okay, I'll speak for guys. Young guys, we got some young guys. We got some young guys here. Young guys, I'm talking, you know, 20s, early 30s, you know, whatever. Young guys, you know, look, they want to find a girl. Run hard after the Lord and get it together. <laughs> Clean yourself up. I, I mean, I, stop. Stop playing video games six hours a day. No girls looking for that. Stop, stop running around all the time in sweatpants and flip-flops. I can respect that you want to shop at Goodwill, but there, and there's some good stuff to go, but get somebody to shop for you. <laughs> you might need to brush your hair, put a little gel in it or something. Looking like you woke up off a park bench under a newspaper. Well, I'm just looking for a godly girl. There just ain't none out there. They are out there. I see bunches in this room. <laughs> you need to make yourself into the kind of person that would bring some security. They come to you and be like, oh, where are you going for your life? Well, you know. I know I'm 27, but I'm in between jobs, and I'm taking a break from school. You're in between jobs? Yeah, seven, eight months. I'm trying. I put in an application two months ago, but I hadn't heard back yet. You know, it's like, uh, oh, where are you living? Living with my mama. You know, it's like, get a job, bro. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Give them some security and something they would want to dedicate their life to. Get a little pep in your step, a little umph behind you. Be a man of God. Be confident. Yeah. Set some dreams and some goals and actually run after something. Some of you are grandparents. Some of you are godparents. Same things apply to you that apply to parents that I'm talking about. You can leave a legacy if you do things God's way. You can bring heaven to earth through the next generation. Take responsibility. Heaven to earth. Last thing I was talking about real quick is friendships. Knowing who I am and where my allegiance lies. What is my responsibility? How do I bring heaven to earth in my friendships? Guys, how many of you know we have pounded this in so much here at Harvest? We were created for relationship with God first and second with man. So, first priority should be the Lord. Second priority, in that really should be your family. And then how do you bring heaven to earth through your friendships, through your relationships? Well, first and foremost, something that, again, um, a lot of believers are not real good at, the Bible tells us that we're to choose our friends wisely. Proverbs 20, 12, 26 says, the righteous should choose their friends carefully for the way of the wicked leads them astray. Guys, it's okay to have acquaintances and be friendly with unbelievers. We, we, we have to in order to win them to the Lord. That's okay. But we got to be careful who we allow into our inner circle. If you are the most spiritual, if you are by far the most spiritually mature of your friend group, then you're in the wrong friend group. You need other people that are more spiritually than, than you, more spiritual, spiritually mature than you are that you can follow and you can learn from, from and you can glean things from. Proverbs 27, 9 says, just as lotions and fragrance give sensual delight, a sweet friendship refreshes the soul. 
Isn't that true? A sweet friendship refreshes the soul. How can we bring heaven to earth in our friendships? Guys, we just got to be like Jesus. We got to be an encouragement to one another. First Thessalonians 5.11 says, so speak encouraging words to one another. We got to forgive, even when it's difficult. Colossians 3.13, forgive as the Lord forgave you. We got to help them in difficult times. Ecclesiastes 4.10, if one falls, the other can reach out and help. Uh, we got to stick by them in tough situations. Proverbs 18, 24. Friends come and go, but a true friend sticks by you like family. We got to love and honor. Romans 12, 10 says, love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. We got to challenge them to a higher godly standard. Proverbs 27, 17. As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. As we can bring heaven to earth in our relationships. We are carriers of the kingdom of God. God, I would ask you, can you see heaven coming to earth in these areas of your life? All that to say, that should be our goal. Our goal in every single area of life is to bring heaven to earth. People in our life, they should be better. They should be blessed because we're in it. And vice versa, as we're around other believers, but the people around us, should be built up and encouraged. And they should be better and they should be pointed to Jesus because we're there. Follow the posture. Follow Jesus with a posture of submission and obedience to God's will and your circle of influence will be greatly, greatly impacted. You'll see heaven come to earth. Lives will be transformed and your community will never be the same again. It's about knowing who we are. Knowing where our allegiance lies. And knowing why we're here. And then having you know it's one thing to know. <laughs> it's another thing to live it out. That's the work. Right? Bring heaven to earth every waking moment. I'm going to invite the worship team to come. You guys can stand up with me. We're going to start uh, closing out here. How many of you are excited that we are carriers of the kingdom of God? How many of you are excited that eternal life doesn't start when we go to heaven? Eternal life is ours right now through our surrender and obedience to the Lord. All the benefits of heaven right here, right now. And we're carriers. And we can offer that to every person we come in contact with, which is, again, is the only reason that we're here. We need to reexamine our identity. We need to take a good, hard look at our Some of you need to stand in front of a mirror need to take a good, the mirror is the word of God. You need to take a good, hard, long look at yourself and say, Lord, I want to see your kingdom come in my life. I want to see your kingdom come in my relationships. I want to see your kingdom come in my family. I want to see your, relation, I want to see your kingdom come in my community. And just ask him, say, Lord, help me be better. Help me to be obedient to your word. Be cognizant when you speak words that are not words of life. Replace them with words from your kingdom. The kingdom of heaven. First and foremost, if you're here and you haven't surrendered your life to Jesus, then you can't experience this. You don't even know what I'm talking about. You can't experience true heaven on earth. I heard somebody once say that for the unbeliever, earth will be the only heaven an unbeliever will ever know and I thought that's sad because the earth the earth is a beautiful place it's also a very sad place it's the only paradise you'll ever know if you don't surrender to the lordship of Jesus the Bible says we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God we're the ones who broke relationship with this good father. We did it, and we have to take responsibility for that. We have to acknowledge that. But the Bible says that if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Why? Because God made a way. It's the only reason that verse is even possible. It's because he looked at us as being spiritually bankrupt, owing a debt we could never repay knowing there was nothing that we could ever do in a thousand lifetimes restore a relationship back with him. And so he said, I love him, I want him, and so I'm gonna take care of this. So Jesus came and put on human flesh 
birthed of a virgin and lived the life that we should have lived. He lived that perfect life. No sin. And then he willingly laid down his life for you and me and said, I'm going to die in their place so that they can be restored back to Father. He was our sacrificial lamb. He poured out his blood because it was the only thing that could pay the price. And now, if you'll just surrender yourself, if you'll acknowledge that you owe a great sin debt, if you'll repent, say, Lord, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? And turn from that. If you'll accept Jesus as your sacrificial lamb, if you'll accept his sacrifice and make him Lord of your life, John 3.16 will apply to you. And it'll apply to you today, not someday in eternity. You will begin to experience everlasting life today. And you'll know that no matter what happens in this fallen world, you've got all the backing of heaven. And almighty God, your father, will be walking with you hand in hand through every situation through the high times and the low times over the mountains and through the valleys as well he'll be there and he won't let go but he can't do it for you you have to make that decision let's all bow our heads right quick if that's you and you would recognize today that you are not living your life for the Lord that you are not serving him that your heart is not surrendered to Jesus I just want you to lift up your hand today just signifying that you recognize you need Jesus. Anybody in this place would lift their hand and say, I need Jesus today. Anybody at all, wave your hand. Okay, you may be watching online. You may be, you may be at Rolling Hills there with our elder, Mr. Michael, today. You may be somewhere else. I have no idea where you're watching from today. But the Holy Spirit is there with you right now, and he's tugging at your heart, and he's drawing at you. And he's imploring you to say yes to Jesus. And guys, your life will never be the same again. You'll begin to bear good fruit as you seek after him like we read about today. And you'll recognize that you're a carrier of the kingdom of heaven. And you'll recognize that you can't even keep your mouth shut. You've got to share it with all the people around you. That's you. I'm going to pray a prayer and I invite you to pray with me. This is between you and him. If you mean it with all your heart, the Bible says that he'll make you a brand new creation. He'll wash you white as snow nothing will ever be the same for you again. Just say, Heavenly Father, I recognize I'm lost and alone. I recognize I'm spiritually bankrupt and owe a debt I can never repay. I'm sorry for living a life contrary to your will. I call it what it is. It's sin. I repent and I turn from those ways and I choose to follow you and to be just like Jesus. Jesus, I put my faith in you today. I believe that you laid down your life for me. It's my sacrificial lamb. And I'm grateful. I receive that. I also recognize that death could not hold you. And I believe that after the third day you rose from the grave, and you're seated at the right hand of the Father. And I want to be seated in heavenly places with you. So be my Lord. Be my Savior today. Be my King. I'll follow you all the days of my life. Just say, Holy Spirit, fill me. Empower me to be everything you've called me to be. I'll follow you to the end. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Amen. Guys, before we close. I'm going to ask our prayer partners, our pastors, elders, and senior leaders to come down to the sides here. If you gave your life to the Lord or you rededicated your life to the Lord, I want you to come down. I want you to talk to one of these people. I want you to let them pray with you and and give you some direction on what your next steps would be. If you need a Bible, we'll get you a Bible. If you want to be water baptized, we'll get you water baptized. But I want you to talk to one of these folks. Guys, maybe we're going to sing one last song. As we do that, I want you to examine your heart. And listen to me, we talked a lot about fruit today. And understand, there is no condemnation in anything that I said today. 
because we are all in process, right? We're all making course corrections. We're all coming more and more into alignment with Him. None of us are perfect in this life. Maybe you've just been struggling for a long time. Maybe there's an area of your life that you're having a hard time letting go of. Maybe there's an area of your life where the enemy is having a heyday and you need somebody to stand with you. You need a little bit of godly wisdom spoken into your life. I want you to pray and seek the Lord as we sing this song and say, Holy Spirit, what are you speaking to me? I want you to pray and say, Lord, I want to see heaven come to earth in my life and in my family and in my community. Say, Holy Spirit, what are you speaking to me? What do I need to do? You may have been a believer for a month. You may have been a believer for 50 years. You're still in process. Amen. And the Holy Spirit's still there and he's still nudging us. He's saying, give me the rest. Come on. He's shining his light on little dark areas of our heart that we've hidden away. He's saying, will you give me this too? Then maybe that's where you're at today. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662 890 1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277.